Cough, cough, cough. Sorry, still getting over the robot flu. Gabriel will be in Bellevue, Washington Thursday, March 7th at the parlor. March 8th, Ellensburg, Washington. March 9th, he has a show but it's a private show in an undisclosed location. That sounds better than it's a show to raise money for a high school football team. March 16th, Gabriel will be performing in the greatest city in Thurston County, Olympia, Washington. It's at the Washington Center for the Performing Arts. It's going to be a big night. Not big enough to fill all 900 seats, but big. For more info and for all of his show dates go to GabrielRutledge.com. Okay, drink plenty of water and pack some healthy snacks because episode 10 of Happiness is Funny with Gabriel Rutledge starts right now. Here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. Check. Check. Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots. We're rolling. Uh, home, home podcast today. Uh, everyone's at school, working or studenting. It's just me and the cats. Me, Don, Buddy. You think you guys cannot fight? Well, Cat Dad does a podcast? Okay? Do you think you can knock your shit off for like 40 minutes, maybe? I'm trying to do my podcast. I make $5 a week doing this podcast. Okay? We need this. I use that to buy cat food. I don't need your shit right now. We fed Buddy, uh, Buddy the Cat. For since Christmas, two and a half months, and uh, him and Don uh, are not friends. I mean, uh, it's not going well. It's not going well. You you can buy another, you can get another pet, you can add it to your home, and you just hope for the best. And the best did not happen. Uh, I I think Don is always going to hate Buddy, and uh, I felt bad that maybe I ruined Don's life. And then I remembered, oh yeah, he's a fucking cat. And then I felt better. Let me take a sip of my delicious water here. Oh, I like my water like I like my women. It tastes better at home. What? I almost I almost recorded this podcast in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, where I was, but uh, it was such a quick quick turnaround flew in friday flew home sunday that i was uh i was sleepy yeah i was a little sleepy and you're probably like hey last podcast weren't you complaining your week was too long and now you're complaining it was too short yeah yeah i was welcome to the never happy podcast with gabriel rutledge uh but it is i mean okay i wake up 3 a.m uh on Friday morning, go to the airport for my 6 a.m. flight, fly to Minneapolis, couple-hour nap, do a show that night. Next day, Saturday, yeah, slept in. Uh, and then uh, Sunday morning, woke up at uh, 4 a.m. 
to go to the airport and come back home. So it's a uh, it's a bit of a whirlwind. It's uh it uh it kind of messes messes with your body and your brain to like you know, I feel like I was just at the house and then I just turned around and came back and I'm much more tired and grumpier now. What happened? I I know I brought this up before, but uh the uh I, it was it, it was bad on the way to uh, Minneapolis St. Paul when we landed uh in Minneapolis St. Paul the uh the guy a couple rows behind me starts doing the loud check-in phone call uh to get picked up like yeah yeah no no just landed yeah no no probably have to wait a fucking long time for my bag so don't this guy was a potty mouth. He was a potty mouth. And I don't... Look, if you listen to this podcast, I am also a potty mouth. But I uh, recognize there is a time and place for profanity. Uh, and I'm also trying to teach my children that there's a time and place for profanity. Uh, but it's kind of backfiring because my kids think the C word is crap. So I'm accidentally raising dorks. Uh, hey, buddy. But he's licking the microphone. Not sure if you heard that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, my wife and I, we overdid it. We didn't want our, you know, my kids are comedians kids. So I didn't, I didn't want them to tell Chuck E. Cheese to fuck off at her birthday party. You know what I mean? They already have a couple strikes against them. But we, we overdid it. And so now they're like, oh, we can't watch this movie. It's PG-13. I'm like, you dorks. Um, But yeah, but this guy on the plane, just like, you know, Within earshot of 40 people, kids, families, just, you know, loudly talking, like, wait, what did he say? No fucking way. Oh, that's what Trevor said? Fucking classic Trevor, man. Fucking Trevor. When do, oh, man, what a motherfucker. I'm like, really, dude? You're dropping motherfuckers on a, on a Delta flight? Not classy. Not classy, Trevor's friend. I also was watching, uh, I was watching, uh, I was on Delta, which is, I've been, I've been cheating on Southwest quite a bit, uh, because, uh, I can't, uh, they're not always cheaper, and also sometimes I just want to go from Seattle to where I want to go. I don't want <clears throat> to take a stop in Puerto Rico first, and, uh, Southwest does that. But I was watching, uh, yeah. <laughs> Buddy is playing with a pencil, not sure if you can hear that. Oh, this is just chaos. Now we gotta go let Dawn in from outside. Hold on. I will end you. Get along, boys. It's a fucking barn around here. That's right, Trevor. Classic Trevor. It's a fucking barn. Trev dog. Uh... <clears throat> so yeah, it. I was watching. Uh, what was I watching on the plane? Uh, I was watching Showtime. That's one of the networks I don't have. The Forbidden Showtime. I was watching on the Delta flight. Uh, I was watching I'm Dying Up Here, which is a series about kind of about the some somewhat the comedy store in the 1970s. Although they can't call it that. I actually read the book. Um, I'm Dying Up Here, which is it's worth reading, especially if you're a comedian. But I'd never seen it before, and. Uh, it was okay. It was too serious. It was, you know, 
there's a lot of scenes of like, not that I was doing comedy in the seventies, but there's a, there's a lot of scenes that are like, we live and die up there. We're comedians, man. We bleed for our art. And I'm like, all right, take it down a notch. There was uh there was one scene where, uh, someone, someone was like, I'm so proud of you for pursuing your dreams. And she was like, aren't you supposed to wake up from a dream? I'm like, okay, all right, comedy. Let's, Let's calm it down a little bit. Yeah, comedians are artists, but also it's a it's a lot of genital and shit in your pants stories. Let's let's not pretend we're that important. But anyway, they, there were some sex scenes in uh, I'm Dying Up Here, and it's a very weird. It's kind of like watching TV with your grandma or your parents. Like there's people on each side of me that I don't know, some nice old lady, and then some youngish person. I don't know if they were under eighteen. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm watching, uh, I'm watching like sex scenes and, uh, I, f- I found myself like almost pretending I wasn't watching when the sex scenes came on. Like, so if someone looked at me and be like, oh, are they fucking on the screen? I didn't, e- I didn't even notice. I was looking at a bird. Uh, yeah, that's a little awkward to, uh, sit next to a stranger and, uh, you know, watch some uh, not safe for work time. Um, I was actually going to watch porn, but I'm like, if I can't even watch R-rated, forget it. I don't think this grandma's going to be able to handle me at my worst. I have, uh, I have not watched. I mean, I have not seen people watching porn uh, on an airplane. Uh, I mean, I did see a guy. Uh, watch porn for like one second on an airplane before he uh, shut it down really quick because he didn't realize that was already pulled up on his... It was me. It was me. That happened to me one time. Uh, (laughs) That is is the the quickest you will ever shut a screen down is when you... Actually, it wasn't playing. I just pulled up the browser and was like, Dear Lord, boobs! And... uh, my first instinct was like, I'm just going to throw the phone uh, through a window. Like, not even turn the phone off. Just like, I should, I'll just throw it through a window out under the tarmac. And start a new life. Start a new life where no one knows I like boobs. I don't, uh, I don't feel like there's a good word for boobs. Because boobs is kind of juvenile. Like, boobs. Uh, breasts? A little, I don't, I mean, I don't want to say clinical, but a little formal, you know, like as if you're complimenting someone like, you know, your breasts, I'm really into your breasts. That's, (laughs) I said that, I said that like, uh, one of those gay conversion camps where they, (laughs) they, they try to pray the gay away where they're like, now, now you try. Try to uh, try to compliment this woman. <laughs> I'm really into your breasts. Good. That's good, Trevor. It's classic Trevor. Ah, uh, but also, and then like, uh, what? I don't even like saying like tits. Tits is. I mean, that's. I don't know. It's too angry. Too hard. Tease. Tits. I know my wife hates the word. If she's listening right now, she's like, please don't say tits anymore. But, you know, it came up. 
Uh, so I don't really, uh, I don't really have, uh, I mean, chest? Look at the chest on that lady. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know a good word for, uh. For breasts, I guess I'm going to stick with that. It's really, I mean, you got to pick your dirty talk words uh, carefully, because the, I mean, the right, the right tone and the right intention can merely re- be ruined with a juvenile term, like, you know, like, oh my god, I want to see your boner. You're like, okay, I think we're done. <laughs> if a, if a woman was like, nice boner, whoa. It got so much bigger than it used to be. That's quite a boner you got there. Uh, I don't, uh, I'm not, I mean, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't quit, but I'd be like, this is, this is odd. This is very odd. I guess it's the same with, uh, I don't know what you want to call uh, a woman's genitals. Uh, probably not genitals. That's, oh God, I can see your genitals. <laughs> That's not hot, but that's still probably better than like, you know, I want to put my boner in your beaver. That's not, okay, this podcast is off the fucking rails. I'm sorry. I mean, does anyone really call it a beaver in in a serious tone? Is is (laughs) Is anyone seriously like, uh, you know, Kathy, uh, we've been dating for a while. I think you know I care about you. And, uh, I, I guess I was just really hoping we were at the level of a relationship that I could, you know, finally see your beaver. I think we're ready. Not yet, Trevor. I'm not ready. Put your boner away. I don't mind the, I think, I, I don't know. I think vagina's all right. You can call it, it's not too clinical to call it a vagina. I prefer that over. You know, some of the other terms. Uh, I mean, it's not too clinical. I mean, like vulva, for God's sakes. That's, you can't even say the word vulva without a slight grimace. It's vulva. Ooh. It's like nature's safe word. Don't touch my vulva. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, I know that is, uh, anyway, I'm not sure what we got on sex talk. Sometimes you'll hear uh, comedians who are trying to be clean uh, not say genital words. Uh, <laughs> but then it, I think it actually comes across as grosser and dirtier. Like, they'll just sort of, like, try to imply. Like, in an effort to not say, like, dick and vagina, they'll be like, and then uh, she was touching my, uh, you know, my, <laughs> down in the, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Like, downstairs in the... Thank you guys, huh? Like, that's weirder to me. That's weirder to me than to do, like, old-time radio sound effects to simulate sex, where I'm just like, yeah, and then I touched her in the... Like, I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? This is probably a really awkward time to transition into the story I was going to tell about overhearing some teens talking in a restaurant... Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll put a little buffer. Uh, this episode has a sponsor. Uh, if you would like to sponsor an episode of the Happiness Isn't Funny with Gabriel Rutledge podcast, that's me. Uh, 
It's five dollars. Five bucks. I'll plug whatever you want. Uh, just email me, Gabriel at GabrielRutledge.com. Or, you know, message on any of the social medias I'm on. Or find me on Tinder and swipe right. Actually, if you find me on Tinder, email me and let me know, because I'm not on Tinder. I didn't think I had a uh, catfishable face, but uh, I would actually be flattered if someone was uh, using me to catfish. As Dave Grohl. <laughs> oh my god, I matched with Dave Grohl. He looks weird. Um, This episode is... I gotta find it. I gotta read it. Okay, this episode is sponsored by... Uh, the podcast Phil Cops One-Offs. Philip Kopsinski. Yeah, you'd go, you'd go by Phil Cop too, if your name was uh, Philip Kopsinski. Philip Kopsinski is a comic who works in the wild. Bar gigs, fairs, ballrooms filled with plumbers. When he's doing stand-up comedy, he's always a little worried the audience came for cage fighting. So to reach the masses, he has a podcast that his wife calls Playing With His Microphones. <laughs> I, th- I believe I discussed uh, that a few episodes ago. Uh, but the actual name is Phil Cops One-Offs. He tells a story or gets another person to tell a story, then talks about small-town news somewhere in the country, and every week educates listeners about animal sexual behaviors. It's educational and interactive, since many of the animals are ones listeners suggest. Did you know scientists have to tether up mosquito legs to listen to their mating call? Did you know a male barn owl in the in the barn owl cam community is called a dash, and a female is called a dotty? Bedbug females don't have vaginas. They get stabbed in their abdomen by ruthless bedbug dicks, and porcupines have the most consensual sex of any of Mother Nature's creatures because they have little daggers all around their porcupine vagina. Talk slower, Phil. Mm. This is the kind of knowledge you would have if you listened to Phil Cops One-Offs every week. It's just a former mountain yokel trying to educate the masses while avoiding college words. Thank you, Phil Cops One-Offs. I have listened to Phil Cops One-Offs, and I enjoyed it. It's a good podcast. Check it out. I will put a a link in the episode notes underneath this podcast. Go check out Phil Cops One-Offs. So, after my show, Saturday night, uh, actually Friday night in St. Paul, uh, <laughs> who cares? I really don't want to be one of those people who uh, who uh, can, can't even tell a shitty story because they get trapped in the details. They're like, it was last weekend, actually it was two weekends ago, it was a Saturday, no, it was a Friday night. I remember, I remember it was Friday because it was colder. Friday, but not as cold. I mean, last winter. Woo! We had some cold weekends. Anyway, we were out the other night. You know, actually, it was more, you know, early evening. We're, and you're like, tell the fucking story! I was out Friday night after my show. Uh, about 11 p.m., sitting alone in a Perkins restaurant, ordering up the low-carb menu. Hey, kids, who wants a career in show business? It's fun. It's nothing but fun. And uh, there was a bunch of teenagers in there because that's, uh, you know, I used to do the same thing when I was a teenager. 
and a little older. You go to like a Denny's type Perkins situation, you hang out, uh, you order some french fries, you talk loudly and tip poorly. And, uh, you know, it's like a social thing. And I was paying a little more attention than I wanted to pay attention to teenagers um, because my phone had died. So this was a real, like, you know, 1990s experience. I'm just sitting in a restaurant alone with my thoughts. In fact, I, I even got that weird little newspaper they have up front that's like all ads and word scrambles. That's how bored I was. I was reading uh, local newspaper ads. But uh, these teenagers, uh, you know, a big pack of them. What do you call a pack of teenagers? A gaggle? A gaggle of teenagers? Uh, and they were, you know, just kids doing their kid shit. And then someone said, I don't remember their names. I guess I w wouldn't say them anyway. But they were like, oh, did you hear that? Um, oh, gosh. I'll say, uh, I'll say Trevor and Sally. That's what I'll say. They're like, oh. Did you hear that um, when Trevor had sex with Sally, he only lasted 45 seconds? <laughs> and then everyone laughed really hard. And then one of the other girls was like, oh, my God, if someone only lasted 45 seconds with me. And I'm telling you, the way she said, if someone only lasted 45 seconds with me, she'd never had sex before. There's no, there's no... There's no way that she didn't say that as someone with sexual experience, which I am not judging. I didn't have any sexual experience till after high school. And, uh, but, but I, you know, obviously, again, you think it's awkward, uh, watching sex scenes on an airplane when you're listening to underage people talk about sex. I really had to pretend like I was into the, uh, local newspaper I was reading. Like, oh, half off 10 pin bowling. That sounds interesting. Uh, but it just made me laugh so hard because, you know, I'm an adult and I'm listening to high school kids talk about sex. First of all, poor Trevor, who only lasted 45 seconds. But, hey, teenagers, none of you are good at sex. Did, what, what, <laughs> what, you're experts? You 17-year-old kids in high school? You're... None of you are good at sex. That was laughable to me. Laughable. That, uh, like, people are like, oh, they're really putting it down in high school? No. No, they are not. Uh, and I just thought it, I just thought it was kind of funny to uh, be making fun of some poor kid because he didn't last that long, probably the first time he had sex. Yeah, no shit. It's not going to last that long the next time he has it either. Uh, but oh, uh, someone only lasted that long with me. I don't even know what I would do. Yeah, you don't know what you would do because you've never had sex before. Uh, but again, these are not appropriate conversations uh, to be listening to while you eat your steak medallions with a side of broccoli. I remember, I remember those conversations uh, when I was in high school and even out of high school when other people are talking about sex. It's like that the, the scene in Forty Year Old Virgin, when uh, he when uh, he's trying to pretend like he's had sex and he's describing like oh how their breasts feel like big bags of sand like you know it's I remember that where everyone's like sort of making like blowjob jokes and I'm like yeah I mean blowjobs <laughs> they are pretty crazy and I didn't I knew what they were talking about but I had not experienced it and that's uh. That's an awkward time in a young person's life. And uh, 
I was a very immature, I mean, in some ways mature, like as far as responsible. Uh, I was a responsible teenager, but I just was so immature. And uh, I actually, because I, I dated my wife. I don't know. I wouldn't say we dated, but at the end of high school, we sort of were uh, flirting around. We made out a couple times. And I think I just told her this a couple of months ago. I think I finally put together why I didn't, why I kind of like, I don't, again, we weren't, we weren't like dating, so I didn't have to break up with her, but I sort of stopped. Uh, and I think it's because I knew, you know, I was 18, I was a senior in high school, but I knew this would be my first not church girlfriend, right? You know? My wife, uh, even then, was a woman of the world. <laughs> and so I knew, wait, okay, I'm not a church kid anymore. She never was. If I date this person, I'm going to have sex with her. And I think, even though that was partly exciting to me to think about, I just think I couldn't handle Like, I wasn't ready. I know I was 18, but I was, like, not ready to have a sexual relationship. So I just kind of, like, yeah, I don't want to do this and don't get me wrong i could have had sex with some of my uh i mean i really only had one girlfriend uh in in high school and she was from the uh a, ch a church kid also but i think she would have had sex with me or at least m more uh you know more sexual activity that we, than we did uh i believe in youth group they used to call it heavy petting which I'm still not exactly sure what that is. I think that means uh, touching of genitals, but the term heavy petting, good Lord. Sounds like Lenny killing a rabbit. I'm going to love it and kiss it. Uh, but yeah, that was me. I was, I mean, I could hide behind a little bit that Jesus didn't want me to do anything, but the truth is I didn't want to do anything because I was terrified. Terrified. I touched my girlfriend's uh, vagina, sticking with that word, once. And I was, it scared me, okay? It scared me. Like, I, I thought I had, uh, like, touched fire or something. Like, I thought I was going to go to hell right away. Uh, I was just not ready. I was not ready for, uh, I was not ready for the, uh, the sex life, man. And, uh, I was so immature. I try to remember that because my son's pretty immature. Um, and, uh, I have to be patient with him because, uh, it's apparently a family tradition. And, uh, I mean, the first girlfriend I had, the first time we kissed, I kissed her on the cheek and was like, all right, good night. And then on the car ride home, I was like, guess I had my first kiss. Like, I don't even know what I was thinking. I knew what, like, French kissing was. But, like, I just didn't... I thought, okay, I've kissed a girl. I kissed her on the cheek like you would kiss your aunt. That's what I thought. My first kiss, I was, you know... Uh, I was a very sheltered little boy. And, uh, my first girlfriend was very patient. Um, and, uh... 
you know, and then the next time we got together, uh, you know, I think I really sent her the signals that if we're going to go anywhere physically in this relationship, uh, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to instigate it. I was such an idiot. I was such an idiot. I remember, you know, just making out for hours and she would say stuff like, do you want to take your coat off? And I'd be like, no, just 17 year old asshole in a parka. Making out with his girlfriend on the couch? Like, what am I doing? Take your coat off. I'm going to get in a time machine so I can go take my coat off. What an idiot. Uh, So, yeah, I, uh, you know, I've talked to my son because he's like, I don't feel like I'm ready to have a girlfriend. And I'm like, you're not. I know you. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. You're going to be fine. He's like, well, I feel like everyone at school is in a relationship. And I'm like, they're not. I know it feels that way, but uh, they're not. And, uh, you know, change comes fast. Uh, my, my son uh, has not much interest in dating anyone, but, you know, if you're listening, you've been, you, you, you've been a teenager. One day you're uh, on Reddit looking at Pokemon fan sites, and the next day you're, uh, have a whole new set of priorities. Sometimes puberty hits you over the head with a fucking club. Uh, and so, yeah, like, I, you know, I wish my son would sort of grow up in some ways, but I also know once you do grow up, uh, life's pretty complicated. And so I don't mind him hanging out. I don't mind him hanging out in the, uh, sort of immature zone for a while. Uh, I just don't want him to be in that zone when he's 26, you know? But 16? Yeah, fine. You don't need a girlfriend. That's what I told him. I'm like, let, let these bitches come to you. All right? Not everyone has your knowledge of Nintendo. And uh, word's going to get out. They'll come to you. <laughs> Hello. This is a commercial word for Anchor Podcasts, the easiest way to host your podcast. Um, if you don't have a podcast, congratulations. You probably have an enjoyable life full of friends, family, and fun. Uh, but if you do have a podcast, um, I'm sorry, and you should use Anchor Podcasts. Uh, it's easy. It's free. Uh, they distribute everything for you. They give you sponsorship, which... Uh, Apparently, it's just talking about Anchor. I guess that's their sponsorship. But I don't want to brag, but I make, you know, maybe six bucks a month doing this. So, worth it? Of course it is. Uh, Go to anchor.fm or the Anchor app. We now return to another riveting episode of The Rutledges. He's a sweet boy. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a sweet boy. Uh, And I say that because I think I was one. I was a sweet boy once. I was uh, I was talking to uh, someone else, an adult, that I knew uh, a little bit back when I was <clears throat> a teenager, uh, another church youth group person, and uh, she mentioned someone we both know that she dated briefly, and she said she saved his love notes and had actually shown them to her children. She showed them to her daughter, like, look how sweet this guy was. This is the kind of guy you should be with. 
which uh I don't I found very uncomfortable. Uh but I was thinking about it. That's really going to go away. Unless you're going to show your kids uh and grandkids a collection of screenshots you've taken from text messages over the years. I kind of think the love note uh is going away. You know? It's just going to be gathered around <laughs> the book of screenshots. Well, here's when your grandfather really expressed an interest. As you can see, there's a smiley face, an eggplant, and an LOL. And that's when I knew. I said, BRB. And then I sent him a picture of a peach. But the reason uh, it made me uncomfortable when she mentioned she showed her daughter the love notes is because my first girlfriend, uh, I mean, I still know her and stuff on Facebook, she, she told me she saved notes from me. And she, uh, I guess she liked, I guess maybe it was just like one note. I think, oh God, I'm getting, getting, uh, memory chills right now. Not the good kind. Uh, I say it was like, I was kind of a breakup note, I think is what she saved. Uh, but she thought it was like sweet. And she said, I should show it to my boys so they can be sweet. And I was just horrified at the thought. I was, maybe it's a good thing that, uh, the love note is going away because I don't, God only knows the dumb shit I wrote in that note. I can't even imagine. I, I suggested she burn the note immediately, but, uh, you know, I guess it was a gift. <laughs> it was a parting gift, but it belongs to her. I can't tell her what to do with it. But the thought of something I wrote when I was 17 about love, I don't even know if we said the word love, but about my girlfriend, the fact that that's still in a shoebox somewhere, uh, I don't love that. I don't love the thought. That some dumb stuff I wrote is out there. I don't even love the fact that uh, <laughs> some of my early comedy is out there, let alone some of my early love notes. You know, so my wife and I have written some love notes. And uh, they're all, you know, it's like all dumb inside jokes from the time and uh, stupid stuff. So even... Even though those love notes ended up in a marriage, I still don't like necessarily want to share them with everyone. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's uh, that's a problem for old people because uh, my kids will probably just have a shoebox full of old phones. Uh, there's a lot of talk right now in the a lot of chatter, a lot of chitter chatter in the stand-up comedy community because. Uh, Stormy Daniels, who you may know from being paid off by President Trump after she had sex with him, uh, she is doing a comedy show. Uh, and uh, she's actually doing a comedy show at a club I work, although I didn't work there last year, and he doesn't seem to want to return my emails this year. Uh, so I did want to send him another email. I didn't, but I wanted to send him an email like, who do you got to fuck around here to... Get a booking at your club. Oh, the president? Okay, I'll get back to you. But I don't feel like I knew him quite well enough to send that email. But uh, it's kind of funny that, 
look, don't get me wrong. Uh, I don't want to see Stormy Daniels perform comedy. And I, I'm sure it will be terrible. But there's a lot of, like, weird low-level celebrity people who do comedy. I mean, there's a bunch of professional wrestlers. There's uh, Steve-O. There's uh, Skippy from Family Ties I've worked with before. Screech was around for a long time. Uh, if you're old enough to remember the O.J. Simpson trial, Cato uh, Kalin did comedy. Stand-up comedy is the bottom rung. Well, that's not true. DJ. Then stand-up comedy is the bottom rung of like, oh, you have a little bit of notoriety? Well, let's slap together something you can do on stage for 30 minutes and uh, start making you some money in a comedy club. Then that's always been the case. So it's not like I'm like, oh, good, Stormy Daniels is uh, working some of the clubs I work now. I'm not, not that I'm excited, but like I'm – that has already been happening. I mean, there's already, you know, nothing against any of these people personally, but again, it's all—it's always been a D-list celebrity thing to do. Chris Farley's brother, you know, Chris Kattan from Saturday Night Live, who I don't know what he does anymore, but like he's, you know, they're not even, they're not, they were never comedians, but someone gets a hold of him and is like, hey, you want to make whatever, five to 15 grand a weekend? You don't have to be funny. You just have to get people to show up. And uh, that's always been happening. So in some ways, it's a little weird that uh, you're not mad that Jake the Snake Roberts is in comedy clubs, but you're mad that Stormy Daniels in. Like, eh, you know. And again, from the comedy club perspective, uh, I'm sure it'll sell out. You know. Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen? That's a much better name than Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Uh did a comedy tour too big for comedy clubs he was in like theaters and stuff and he'd just come out and go like i've got tiger blood good night everybody you know no no one liked it but he still people made a lot of money from it and uh you know in some ways like <laughs> fine bring in stormy daniels on a wednesday and then uh pay me a much less famous person to come in on the weekend uh but yeah, it's kind of funny, like, uh, I mean, I just saw it, that Stormy Daniels was doing comedy shows, and I sort of just rolled my eyes, like, yep, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so it, it was weird to me that that's the thing that got comics talking about it, uh, about that idea. I mean, there, yeah, like I said, there's tons of, uh, there's a lot of people who are, who are, who are famous or notorious for other reasons than stand-up comedy who choose stand-up comedy as a way to uh, uh, make some money. And uh, that's always been true. And also, uh, you know, Stormy Daniels is a porn star. I'm sure uh, in her industry, uh, <laughs> you know, porn stars probably get mad at uh, celebrities who dip into the porn world. We're like, no, 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 we're we're legit porn stars. We're doing it the right way, okay? I have, I have a master's degree in anal <laughs> with a minor in double penetration, okay? I put in my time. I'm doing porn for the right reasons. Childhood trauma and a drug or alcohol addiction. I shouldn't say that. That's There's 
I'm sure not everyone in porn is uh, there because they're damaged. But it, you know, I'm sure that when Kim Kardashian or whoever puts out a porn tape and gets a bazillion views, I'm sure porn stars are like, shit, I've been doing this shit since I was 18. Got this stupid Kardashian coming in, getting all the views, getting millions of dollars. I just had to film a choke scene. It's got 1,200 views right now. Fuck my life. So I don't love, I don't love, uh, I don't love the fact that uh, I'm a comedian headlining comedy clubs because I've put in a lot of time and effort to become funny enough and have enough credits to headline comedy clubs. And some people just do it as like a last resort. Uh, I don't love that, but I, that's not a new idea. That's been around. That's been around forever. Well, buddy, I'm talking about porn right now. You're not. Buddy the cat's back, stepping loudly on everything he can. What are you doing? What are you doing? Buddy. Buddy. I mean, pretty much, I'm, any industry. The biggest movies aren't the best. The most popular movies aren't the best. The the best bands aren't the most popular bands. The comedy's not going to be any different. There's going to be some people who have butts in the seats who are not, not only not funny, but are probably not even comedians. Uh... And it's it's kind of funny if you're a, a working comedian. A very common compliment we get when we work with famous people is like, you know, or even if we're not working with the famous people, someone will come, well, you know, they'll come see me and be like, you know, oh, I just saw so-and-so, fill-in-the-blank famous headliner. You're much funnier than they are. And they say that like we're going to be surprised at their opinion. Guess what? I know. <laughs> I know I'm funnier than that famous person you saw. Uh, because I've been doing this a long time. And this isn't just individually about me, but if you're if you're a, a not famous comedian who works constantly, you're funnier than a lot of famous people. Uh, maybe the public is surprised when they find that out, but we know. Most comedians you know, if you ask them who their favorite comedians are, it's people you haven't heard of. That's just, uh, and that was true before Stormy Daniels uh, ever had sex with President Trump. Uh, ugh, that's a gross sentence. Um, there are many, many shortcuts to success, right, in comedy? Uh, you, you can, you, you can get famous for a non-comedy reason. You can have a YouTube series. You can, uh, have a podcast that's wildly popular. Huh, that'd be nice. Uh, you can, you can do all these things. Uh, a Twitter account that takes off. Not that none of these things take talent. It takes talent to have a YouTube series that takes off or have a Twitter account that takes off. But all of those things can really amp up your stand-up comedy career. There's a million shortcuts to success, but there are zero shortcuts to being good at stand-up comedy. You can't cheat the system and become super hilarious after two years. You can't. Can't be done.
it's it's uh in some ways very unique like that because it's uh I mean look I played drums for many I still play drums on occasion but for many years in bands I was a decent drummer you can go on there's a 4-year-old kid that people keep sharing his Facebook video this kid is a thousand times better drummer than I would ever 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 be if I played drums constantly every day nonstop there's a there's a kid singers there's kid drummers there's kid guess what there's not really any funny kid comedians there's not there's people who are funny for being kids and every once in a while there'll be like some viral like look how hilarious this 12 year old kid is but that's their parents writing them jokes in fact there was one one of those kids a couple years ago that was like oh this 12 year old's so dark or whatever it was like kurt cobain jokes and stuff uh if you're born in 2005 you don't have kurt cobain jokes that was some dumb Gen X dad who wished he was a comedian writing his kid jokes. But my point is, I mean, maybe there's maybe there are some hilarious child comedians I've never seen before. But that I'm just saying that to make the point that like there are no shortcuts. You can be born super funny, but you can't uh you can't be an amazing stand-up comedian for a long time. A long time. You can be good for being new, but if you're still doing it five years later, you'll be like, what the hell was I doing? I was terrible. Why were people even laughing? Uh, so, yeah, Stormy Daniels will probably sell out a club in Houston on a Wednesday, and she will make some money. She will not be funny. And, uh, or even maybe she won't even, maybe it'll be fine. She'll just tell some stories about what his penis looks like or some dumb thing. I'm not going. You couldn't pay me to go to that show. It sounds ridiculous to me. Uh, but it's, my point is, uh, I guess, <clears throat> I guess just like I was saying with Louis C.K. Uh, many episodes ago, a comedy club is still just a building. It's not uh, an artist colony. It's a building where they sell uh, drinks with sexual innuendo names and, uh, you know, chicken strips and try to make money. It's, uh, they, it's still a business. It's not their job to be noble and uh, care about art. Um, I was I I was just thinking about I'm I remember I don't remember exactly but I remember the first jokes I ever did on stage October 2000 uh and I don't I do remember it sounded like I was reading a humorous essay I definitely remember that style of comedy coming out of me but my first joke was actually pretty edgy edgier than I ended up being but I remember uh it was something along the lines of like the when you're watching the news and they always do like a weird little segue in between the things. And so, you know, if there's a news story about, uh, you know, uh, something, uh, terrible happening, then they have to go like, well, that weather is, uh, not looking too good either out there, Jim. And then, you know, the weather guy has to make some dumb segue in between, uh, 
And I so I remember my first joke was about a weatherman having to do a segue after a story about pedophilia. And then and the weatherman saying something like, "Whoa, well that's we've got a we've got some weather out there that'll make a pedophile roll down his window in his van because we've got some some of those win- I'm fired, aren't I?" And it was uh, I, di- I I don't remember the exact details clearly from the way I just redid the joke, but uh, how about that for first time on stage? Let's do a weird uh, weird joke about the weatherman having to do a pedophile segue that's uh it's not exactly in uh indicative of what i ended up doing on stage but uh which i guess kind of makes my point i've uh i was a funny person i was a very funny person in life but that doesn't mean the first time i go on stage it's going to be amazing and uh it takes i heard someone else say this and it's so true if you're like funny it i don't know the Pick a year, two, three, four, five, ten years, whatever. It takes a certain amount of years of comedy before you're as funny as you were before you started comedy. Which means you naturally being funny around your friends at a party or something. It takes a long time of doing stand-up comedy before you reach that level of comfort on stage. So on stage feels like you talking to your friends. Uh, And that makes a lot of sense to me. Let's read some iTunes reviews. Uh, If you guys leave me an iTunes review, I will read it on the podcast. Uh, As always, only positive reviews, five stars, or fuck off. You know our policy here at the podcast. And by our policy, I mean me, Don, and Buddy. Uh, I've had a couple. I've had a couple of uh, iTunes reviews. Uh, first one from, uh, hmm, DJ Sickle? I'm just going to say DJ. Uh, great podcast. Five stars. I look forward to when Gabriel posts a new episode. Super funny, and I love his perspective and stories. Has me in stitches. Keep the episodes coming. Uh, thank you, DJ. And they are coming. I'm just going to leave that. Um, another one by Cheese Monkey. And if I know Cheese Monkey, I know they have a very discerning taste. Okay. Uh, beautiful and terrible. Five stars. Damn it. You made me sing along to Cindy Lauper. <laughs> Thank you and sorry, Cheese Monkey. Uh, yeah, of course, last last episode. Uh, I did uh, end the show with a uh, little time after time by Sandy Lauper, which technically not allowed to play non-copyrighted, or I'm not allowed to play copyrighted music. But I see a bunch of other podcasts do it, so I'm doing it too. They not, they don't make it easy. Like I wish they could. I don't know. There should be a system where like if I want to play Cindy Lauper. I can pay 99 cents and play it on the podcast, but there's not. There's like, even if you wanted to do it legally, it's like super complicated. You have to sign up, cost hundreds of dollars. So uh, I think I'm just going to be like everyone else and uh, play music I'm not allowed to. Um, and by the way, uh, when it's not, sometimes a song will come up in the uh, podcast and it's fun to play it at the end. Uh, but uh, when, when when it's not, one of those songs that comes up during the podcast. It's uh, I've been playing something uh, again from my old band, Bunnyfoot Charm. 
part of a song. If you would like to check out Bunnyfoot Charm, I believe it's on Bandcamp. In fact, I bought <laughs> I bought a song for a dollar on Bandcamp, and John, the uh, <laughs> a guy in the band, sent me a message and said, "I'll give you fifty cents for the." I didn't know what would show up that I bought a song that I played on, but I just wanted it so I could make it the podcast ending music. But uh, anyway, I'm buying music for my own band. That's how good I am at money. And and when you do listen uh, to the podcast ending music, uh, keep in mind we were all four years old when we recorded it. We were all child prodigies. And, uh, you know, I thought we'd be a lot more successful, you know. If you make an album at four, you figure, you know, by the time you're ten, Madison Square Garden. But it never worked out that way. Probably uh, because of our habits, you know. Legos, juice boxes, cartoons, you know. After a while, you just forget about what was important, the music. Our bass player was on Ritalin. I mean, it was some dark times. It was some dark times. Um, one of us, I don't want to say which one, one of us did third grade twice. So, you know, people thought that uh, we had the world by the tail when we were in a child rock band. But uh, there's, a, there's a dark side. There's a dark side when you all have to get your parents to give you a ride to practice in a booster seat. It's not easy. It's not easy. All right, I think we're going to call that an episode. Uh, I think that was my dirtiest episode yet. A lot of sex talk, a lot of sex talk, but that's why I checked the little button that says there's going to be explicit language. So you only have yourself to blame. All right, talk to you next week. Take it away, four-year-olds. Show's over. We're done. Bye.